welcome to the Flying Solo podcast, a show for those going it alone in business. I'm your host, Robert Gerrish. Flying Solo is an Australian online community and home to stacks of free resources, discussion forums, professional development tools, and a whole lot more. Find us at flyingsolo.com.au or join us on Facebook. I'm talking to Dan Norris, the co-founder of WP Curve, one of the world's fastest growing WordPress support companies. Dan's a prolific blogger, an occasional contributor and forum early adopter at Flying Solo. And frankly, to me, he epitomizes a genuine, committed, energetic, savvy entrepreneur. He joins us from his base on the Gold Coast. Now, our topic today is bouncing back, how to keep getting back in the saddle. And I believe it's true to say, Dan, that your path has not been a total bed of roses. Would that be right? That's pretty pretty accurate. Up, up until... Uh Two years ago, it, it wasn't great, but okay. the last couple of years has been pretty good. Well, look, why don't we start with the last couple of years? So, uh, are you talking there about the business that you've built, WP Curve? Yeah, that there's a lot of things that happened in the last couple of years. I mean, the, the, I think in 2013, I was, I'd pretty much never, I'd had every single thing I'd ever worked on fail more or less. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, that included. Lots of different random weird business ideas. Um, it included an agency that I'd built for seven years and never really turned it into anything significant in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, never really able to earn anywhere near how much I could have earned or I was previously earning in my job. Um, if, I mean, if that's the measure you use for success, then sure. it wasn't a success. All right. And what just just while you're on that, what sort of agency was that? Just building websites. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Right. Uh, actually, funnily enough, one of the very first things I did was do an ad for Flying Solo, and that would have been like, I don't know, maybe like 2008 or nine or something. I think it's that. No doubt we flooded you with hot leads. <laughs> I did get a customer from that. I can't remember oh, who it was, good. but I did. I did. It was like the first time I ever got a customer from paid advertising. <laughs> the first yeah. and last, probably. Probably, yeah. Yeah, okay. All right, so let, look, we'll go back in time in a minute, but for the, for a moment, let's just let's have a look, this snapshot of WP Curve. So... We're saying they're the world's fastest growing WordPress support company. You run it with a one partner, I believe, based in the US. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, if that's not true, then someone will have to tell me that there's another support company that's growing faster. And so far, they haven't. Okay. So I just keep saying it. Well, why um, not? And so what do you t- tell me? What, how do, what do you do? What's your model? How does it work? Yeah. So it's just $69 a month for unlimited uh, small jobs on your WordPress site. So we employ WordPress developers. Um and our customers submit jobs and we do them on the same day and however many jobs they want to submit in a month, how many problems they have on their site are all covered as part of a standard subscription. Blimey. So if, and for that sort of price, $69.99 a month? Yeah. Yep. Ooh. So um, it started out at $69 a month and I think the, the price is probably going to have to go up soon. I don't think I've ever said that. I'm not sure when this is going to go out, but the price probably will have to go up as we grow because we're we're hiring we hire people in seven different countries now. We've got 38 different people, um, and the hiring costs are going up because we need most of our business is actually in the U.S. I think mm-hmm. 75% of our business is in the U.S. Um, so at the moment, it's $69, and depending on when you hear this interview, it might be 99 or, okay. or a bit less. But yeah. So look, it's interesting. We, a little earlier in the day, we, we popped a note onto our um, Facebook page just saying, hey, I'm speaking to Dan Norris. Anybody got any questions for him? And I'll weave in a couple of the responses, but one particularly was actually on that on your very model, saying, "How you know? How does it work? How there's surely there's a there must be a number of jobs per month where this existing business just becomes simply unprofitable for you." 
Well, there is, but there's a few things that limit the amount. Well, there's a few things that happen. One is that it might only be one in every 20 customers that hits that number of unprofitable jobs. Sure. Um, and that gets uh, absorbed by the others, um, like a typical insurance type model. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that happens is that there are kind of rules around the service that prevent people from really abusing it too badly. Um, things like you have to request one job at a time. Okay. So you can't you can't submit 20 jobs. Um, it has to be for one website, which sort of means it's like unless you've got a really yeah, okay. really problematic website, it's it's not going to break 50 times in a month. No, you've got so you've you've got controls in place clearly. So, but when you start, I mean, this business is going well. That would be fair to say, wouldn't it? Well, compared to any business I've run, it's going very well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but I mean, all right, and let, let's just there's a couple of things there, and then, then I'm going to move us on. So, firstly. I'm in, intrigued. How did you end up with a partner in the US? What was that? How did that process come about and how does it work? Yeah, well, I I started it. I, I was two weeks away from having to get a job. So I just started it out of pure desperation. And after a month or two, I had a bunch of and, and I said I was doing 24 seven life support, but I have absolutely no idea how to do it. Um, and after a couple of months, I got a comment on my blog from a guy who just moved to the US and asked if I'd ever considered taking on a co-founder. Hmm. Um, and I said, yes, I had, but I'd never successfully <laughs> been able to do it. Right. Um, and it just it was one of those things where, like, we both solved each other's problems really well um, in that I needed someone in the U.S. because I had needed to figure out how to build a business that was going to operate in the U.S. time zone. Sure. Um, he needed he, – he'd just moved there. He couldn't actually work in a job until his visa came through, so he had a couple of months free. He wanted to be an entrepreneur – and had always wanted to be one, but just hadn't taken the leap for himself. Hmm. And so he just said, I'll work for you for a couple of months. And I said, yes. And immediately, it, I mean, the business just kind of took off. And after a couple of months, it was like we were just running this business together. Brilliant. Um, and obviously it works. You've got a chemistry there that works between the two of you. Yeah, we've got a, uh, a pretty, I mean, we've got quite a bit in common, but we've also got things that we're definitely independently good at that the other person isn't mm. particularly good at okay so you had no history with this guy he just saw what you were doing and said aha i like the look of that i could contribute to that and approach you that was basically how it happened yeah i think he was he'd been following my blog for a couple of years and well, maybe not a couple of years i'm not sure how long but he'd been following it to the point where he knew kind of everything i was up to fantastic um and turns out he was actually from australia he's lived on the gold coast and he actually used to work at the same company i used to work at <laughs> <laughs> uh, funny old world, isn't it? Okay, yeah. so look, that that business is going well, and by and from what you said there, you started it really not necessarily knowing it was going to be a success, but seeing that or believing there was a demand out there, even though when you started it, you didn't necessarily have the skills to satisfy that demand. Yeah, I mean, you never know something is going to be a success. No, but uh, no, I guess you don't. But um, I, I suppose some people listening might think, well, yeah, that's true, but. If it is a success, I want to know that I can handle it. Whereas what you're saying is you actually started it really not necessarily that skilled in in, in being a developer. But I suppose what you knew was that you had a, a, a an unlimited sort of source of other developers. Is that is that the thinking? Well, yeah, I was. I mean, I believe pretty strongly that you shouldn't solve problems you don't have. I mean, you could, you shouldn't okay. take on challenges you can't overcome either. But I was confident that whatever problem I hit, I would be able to solve. And one of them was obviously going to be how do I hire a lot of people? Um, and I was confident that when that became a problem, I'd be able to solve it. And it turns out it, it was probably a bigger challenge than I thought. Um, 
and it continues to be a challenge, but it's not insurmountable. Oh, okay, all right. So let, let's go, let's just head back. I should perhaps just tell our listeners that uh, whilst I introduce you as being what I think is, um, you know, the, the epitome of an entrepreneur, it's also true to say that uh, you're perhaps not in some ways and that you're not Mr. Kind of Free and Easy, um, you know, living on your own, living in the back of a car or, or rent-free or anything. You are indeed a married man. You're 34. You've got two young kids. So, you know, you need to get food on the table. It's not like you can just keep playing with things, is it? Yeah, I was always, almost living by myself a couple of years ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, we won't go there in this <laughs> <No>. one. <laughs> All right, so let's go back to your, your early businesses then. Because like I say what I'm interested in really is, is how you have continued to do these things and then just get up and do it again. So why don't we, what have you learned about yourself? I mean, where does this resilience come from and how do you do it when something's kind of not working out for you? What's your kind of thought processes and what, what do you, how do you get through that stage? Oh, I don't just don't know if I have a good answer to that. <laughs> Give me a bad answer then. I, I honestly don't know. I mean, there's something. I mean, I, I set high standards, and I also, I think, like when I started WP Curve, I did it with a mindset that I wanted to create a startup. And to me, a startup needs to have the potential to be a ten million dollar business. Okay. So I I wanted to start something. Like I wouldn't have been happy if I started what my last business was if it ended up being you know just a small agency that wasn't having a big impact i mean i'm sure a lot of people and maybe people listen to this that's perfectly fine but that wasn't my intention when i started it so okay. i think if if you have that kind of goal then you're not really going to stop at you know mediocre success you kind of want to keep pushing and keep pushing All right. so that's a, that's an interesting point so the first thing is with this business as, a, as opposed to other ones you clearly had a very clear big picture in your mind and you knew the business that you were going to start, you saw exactly where it might go to. Whereas what you said with the agency then, you were busy in the agency, but that didn't work. So what, what went wrong there? What, was, what bit did you kind of miss out in that process? I think, I think the, the biggest thing I did was like when I started WP Curve, I really um, absorbed myself in the whole startup world. Okay. And I just started list, like listening to podcasts and listening to stories and um, about other companies and um, looking at how much funding these companies are getting and like how big they are and all like just that, that whole world was just completely foreign to me before. So before I thought like being an entrepreneur was starting a business. Um, but now I don't, I, I see a massive difference between starting a business and having a startup. Mm. And once I kind of understood that difference that's what I wanted I wanted to go after that option um, and I wanted to and I sort of just realized that like fixing websites is not a local problem right it's not I mean my last business was like I had a local office I had a server I had a phone system I had local employees I tried to get business from local customers I bought a local company um, I had a local domain it was just a completely local company solving a problem that exists for 70 million people mm. around the world um, and so with WP Curve, I wanted to figure out how I could solve the problem on a worldwide on a scale, much, not a local scale. Bigger. Okay, fantastic. So when you, when you, again, when you look back though to your, to, I mean, what was the business before your agency? What was the one that you did before that that didn't work out? It wasn't something I did before that. It was more like while I was doing that agency, I tried lots and lots of different things, different businesses. Because, because I was never satisfied with that, I was like, well, I'll do something else. I did all sorts of stuff. I did like a deals website. Um, I, I used to build e-learning courses. Um, I did 
training for a while, like traveling around training people and using software, like sort of consulting, which I was just terrible at and I hated. I don't know why I did it. <laughs> um, but yeah, everything. I mean, I've tried. I, I'm just buying a whole bunch of cheap stuff from China and trying to sell it and <laughs> all but, sorts of stuff. But when you look at those businesses, I mean, when you talk about training, teaching people how to use software, you talk about uh, buying products and selling them. I mean, there you've got still potentially, you could say there's a business there with a worldwide need or a business that's scalable. But what you're saying is you just didn't have that vision of how to do that in those businesses. You weren't thinking in that way. Well, I think training people is some things are easier to scale than others, and I think there's a a um some things just can't possibly scale, and some things are just built to scale. Okay. And so software, for example, when I uh, I actually sold the agency, it gave me about a year's worth of runway to build the software, build my software startup, um, and that's how I thought I would have my startup is building software because that just ticks all the bosses boxes in terms of scalability and um, all the all the startups that I looked at were software companies. Um, and so that kind of a business is built to scale, but at the same time, it's extremely difficult. Right. Um, so the software right. business didn't work? The software business failed miserably. Right. Okay. And what and, did you put that down to? Why did that, why did that not work? I, think, I mean, if I was to pick one thing, I would probably just say that it just didn't solve a big enough problem for people. But I think, I think software businesses are just very, very difficult. And I think if you... I'm I'm working on a software business at the moment and I think the the problem we're working on is a huge problem and it's one that like every website in the world could use what we build like we're we're building a it's called helloify.com mm -hmm. it's um a contact form and live chat software so every single website in the world needs a contact form right um that means two things it means it has a potential to be a huge company and it also means it has a very, very high likelihood of failing because there's extreme competition and um, a million people have tried it before us. Um, with my last software business, it was a kind of a niche sort of product. So it had all of the downside risk of a software business, but it didn't really have the upside potential. Right. And I think it just okay. failed like most software businesses do fail. And mm. I kind of went into it with a bit of ignorance and not realizing the risk I was taking. Um, and it probably you know, ended up in the same position as most software companies. Okay. And how did you, do you remember how it felt when you realized that that one wasn't working? I mean, I think generally with your businesses, you're very open and indeed on your blog, you talk about how things are going and how well or not well they're going. So presumably on that one, you were, you were sharing your demise with your audience. Oh, <laughs> right. You could watch me disintegrate in real time. <laughs> And do you, I mean, is that part of your, I mean, I, I know at the outset you said you're not sure how to kind of answer the question, but, um, you know, some somebody at some point is going to be asking you again, so we might as well workshop it if that's all right <laughs> with you. So, I mean, do you think that in, in part the fact that you're wearing your uh, journey so much on your sleeve in, in that sense, is that in some ways helping your resilience, do you think? Is that just allowing you to go, all right, well, this isn't working, I'm, I'm on to the next? Yeah. I think it is. I think it. I think it is. Like I've, I've got another thing I'm working on is a, a opening a brewery called Black Hops Brewing, and I'm doing that with two guys. And they're they haven't been entrepreneurs before, and they're they're like, oh, we should do this. We should do a Kickstarter. And I'm I'm sort of feeling myself having to explain like this could fail really badly, and <laughs> it might be the first time you've ever done something that really publicly failed. Um, but for me, it's it happens on a weekly basis, oh, so I'm not, so I'm not worried. You're like a, you're a failure guru. That's yeah. the, 
Well, that's that's hey, that's a great expert space to take. But um, but so I, I read some uh, I read a, uh, results of a survey recently that was um, I think the Productivity Commission uh, ran it, and they they talked to a number of uh, startup failures, and the thing that came out of it was uh, an incredible amount of good. Uh, and learning that came out of failure. Would you agree with that? Is it making you a, a better entrepreneur? The, the, I mean, not, I'm not putting the kiss of death on WP Curve. I'm sure that's going extremely well. But, I mean, is it is it making you a better person, a better business person? Well, I think most people would say that <laughs> because <laughs> if they didn't, then they'd feel like an idiot. Hmm. Um, but I think I like the Peter Thiel's take on failure, which is that it's a tragedy always. And it's not really something to aspire to. And it's good if you can learn from it. It's better if you can avoid it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, well, that's, well, that's, that's a pretty good take on it. All right. So um, you've you talked about Helloify there. So that clearly then you're very much still a sort of portfolio business kind of guy. You've got WP Curve, which I would imagine would, you know, kind of keep you busy mornings and afternoons. And yet you've got other businesses that you're doing as well. Now you're talking about a brewery. So you can't stop yourself by the sounds of it, can you? <laughs> No, I'm writing another book as well, but I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it at that. I'm gonna just four four projects and and that's it. That's it. Four projects. So where's where's the number? Oh, I see. So where's that number four come from? You've just decided. Right, because I just took on four and I just said no more. Right. And but knowing Dan the way you know Dan, is that likely to happen? I mean, we're only sort of in the first quarter of the year at the moment. Yeah. No, that is is a hundred percent certainty. Is it? So you're you're so you're focused when you when you make a decision with yourself, you you stick to it pretty accurately. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I think I, I, they're just all really interesting opportunities, and with a lot of potential things that I think I can add value in, and um, so that, that's kind of why I said yes to so many of them. But um, mm. and they're all very different as well. And they're all sort of like, like with the live chat stuff, it's something that the WP Curve business can help and vice versa. And um, the brewing stuff kind of solves a need that the other companies don't solve. Like WP Curve is a really interesting business. Like we've got 38 people, but I never see any of them. Right. I just kind of come into this office by myself. <laughs> um, so it's that like community aspect of having a business, which I'm sure a lot of people in your community can relate to in that if, you know, if they're working for themselves or working from home, like that's a, really big challenge mm. it's probably the biggest challenge you have if you're going to work for yourself is that like staying part of the community and feeling yeah, I think being connected but so how yeah. do you do it how do you stay connected with those people you know there's a, a, a massive kind of tools and services we can use do you use yeah. any yeah what do you use yeah we use we use everything we, we put a, a post on our site the other week where we looked at all the different software we used and it was about 35 different software programs wow okay um, the, not just for communicating, that's all of the stuff we use, but the for the team we use a software called Slack, mm-hmm. um, which is, <laughs> I guess, similar to Skype, but for teams. Okay, like Yammer, similar to that? Um, I mean, it's, Slack is really, it's mainly just messaging. It's just kind okay. of it's yeah, like okay. a, like a messaging app, but it is, I guess, kind of like Yammer, but Yammer's kind of scary. Right. Um, Slack's just, it's like a consumer-grade version of something like Yammer. Yeah, okay. It's like, a, you know, like you pick up your phone and use Messenger or WhatsApp or something. Or, right. It's like a that level of execution hmm. for, you know, sharing documents and sharing images and having groups and messaging, um, and they're I mean they're in a, a tremendously successful company, really interesting. Um, but yeah, so we use hmm, that we'll and we that. use 
Google Docs sure. for processes and stuff like that, all the typical sort of things. We use Trello for project-type things. We use Help Scout for support. Or we have our own system as well. Um, but it sounds yeah. like all this is on a blog post that you've recently written. Where would we find that? Yeah, just um, wpcurve.com forward slash blog and just search for, I guess, tools or I think yeah. 35 tools or something. It's okay. a bit of a beast. And then read one, <laughs> read one of 500 articles you've written on the topic, I expect. All right, let's just go. Let's get, I want to get back into you again. So um, you mentioned uh, HelloFi. You, men- you mentioned there that this is a business. I think your wording was around the fact that you know this is a – uh, a business going to have a lot of competition, and it could be a business that is a sort of an epic fail. You mentioned the same with the brewery. You've not said the same thing about WP Curve. Do you, is your belief there that you're carving a niche? I mean, you're. I, I know you're not the only person in that space, the only business in that space, but you're certainly an early adopter. Is that was that important to you? Is that important? Well, yeah, we were lucky. Being, I think we were sort of the first people to come up with this idea of unlimited support for that price mm. and we've been copied a million times you know ev- everything from wp curve for something else like graphic design or accounting or something like that yep um through to people literally copying word for word our website and mm. just changing the pictures now, how do you feel um, about that uh, most of it just uh, I, I find it funny <laughs> okay so it doesn't keep you awake at night it doesn't no, well, I mean, drive the, you the nuts people using the model starting other businesses is cool like i i actively encourage it and I've got mm. a Facebook group where I kind of help them and I've got the book that kind of spells out how to do it. Um, I think people who copy exactly what we do, they're missing a, an important part of it, which is it's probably not going to work if you do that. Yep. Um, but then there's also big companies that have copied us. Like there's companies that have had $10 million in funding that have got big marketplaces full of developers who've copied our model word for word. Mm. Um, and that's a little bit scary. Um, but I don't know. I still feel fairly confident that like we've got a head start where we've just been like we know exactly the problems that they're going to run into. Yeah, um, yes, that's true. I guess one of the key things about you being there at the front is you're seeing them before other people see them. Yeah, and I think we're we. I don't. I wouldn't say we've solved all those problems yet, but I think we're making a lot of progress. That the. I mean, other people who start a business in that space probably don't even know what problems they're going to run into. Okay, so what's the what does the future look like for you? With, with let, let's take with with this existing business with WP Curve, you know, you're working as an entrepreneur. Entrepreneurs typically build, sell, and move on to the next thing. Is that is that in your on your radar, or what's your plan? Um, I think there's probably two things we can do. We can either keep doing what we're doing, which I think will probably hit a ceiling in terms of the ability to manage the business, because it'll because we we employ the guys mostly full time and we have the like a big we got a team of thirty eight people and if we double in the next year, you know, we're talking about eighty people. Mm. Um, there's gonna be a point where that hits a bit of a ceiling, I think. Um, but um, we'll probably be making quite good money. So I think that's one option to do it that way. Or the other option is to make it a lot bigger and a lot more scalable and let someone else have a go. No. Oh, okay. Hang on to still, it. Still do it, but just yeah. do it in a different way and probably go down a more traditional startup route with it. Mm. And I just got this it. lovely image of you with currently 38 staff, soon to be, you know, double that and probably more, working from a co-working, a co-working space on the Gold Coast, all on your lonesome. I mean, you, just, you just wouldn't pick it, would you? <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. And, uh, right, you've got two young kids. You've got a seven-year-old, a five-year-old. Um, uh, on your, I notice when I look on your blog or when I, when I kind of Google you and look for an image, I'm 
confronted with uh, lots of happy pictures of you. That was before I had kids. No, oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I see you lying on a hammock with your laptop. Come on. Is that is that really what it's like? Is it really lying on the hammock in the sun and playing with the kids? Is, no, that's that's funny, that photo, because that was it was in the Philippines and that was the week I started my software company. Okay. That week. So <laughs> a little did I know that a year from now I would be – a two weeks from unemployment. <laughs> okay, so what would if we were going to have you know if let's say we had a uh, you know an ABC uh, camera crew following you for a week and then they had to capture a, a week in an image of of Dan Norris at work, what would that image be? Um, I don't know. I mean, my schedule is pretty standard, really. I mean, I work in a co-working space, which is cool. So we have people come in, and we you know I have a bit of community around me. Um, yep. I'm constantly chatting via some kind of device or, or app on my computer about the various businesses. Um, and when I'm not here, I guess I'm hanging out with the kids and trying okay. to work. But so it's not you at your desk with uh, cocktail seats, keep your eyes open and, uh, and pot noodles in front of you at three in the morning. It's That's not how you work. No, no. I mean, I, I think my I, I just work a very, very typical day. I don't think I would work that differently if I had a job, to be honest. I work pretty much nine to five and then... After that, I just, you know send messages and things, but it's rare for me to get on emails or to do anything at night time, other than maybe creating content if I get a bit of a burst of motivation at night time. Hmm. Um, yeah. Fantastic. Okay. So well, then, no, Sorry. no, no, that's good. No, it's not at all. And, and look, it's you know, it's nice to see you lying in a hammock. It's good, but it's it's uh, it's interesting. You know, there's a lot of uh, obviously a lot of talk chatter about entrepreneurs and different styles of entrepreneurs and I say nothing that you've said today has done anything other than confirm my belief of you in, in the position that you hold as, as a genuine entrepreneur and I just think that it's a word that's often banded around and not with this, the same sort of depth of uh, meaning that you apply to it so it's uh, nice to know that you're able to work fairly standard hours spend time with your kids and that um, you know you've got all these ideas so where do your where do your ideas come from? You know, you, you rattled off businesses that you're thinking about. Are they? Do you find that as your profile raises, ideas are coming to you or are you still kind of generating them yourself? I, I don't think I'm actually very original, to be honest. I don't think any of my ideas have been that original. Like, like hello, if I was not my idea, that was um, Luke. It was working on that already my my co-founder right um and i mean i've put ideas into it in terms of what we do with it but it's like it's not really my idea um the beer is a three of us i mean just three guys sitting around making beer there's not like i'm not yeah, really that's not hard is it it's, it's, well it's not it's not <laughs> it's not it's hard not to easy. think of it it's not easy but it's not an idea no, um okay. and then w i suppose wp curve was an idea but but then again it was just really a pivot on other things that were happening at the time it's it's not it's not like i invented something um, I think I think the, that's sort of a bit of a myth that entrepreneurs have to like invent something, hmm. um, and it doesn't help with. I mean, shows like Shark Tank are sort of more about like inventors. Yeah. You know, I invented something, and therefore yes. you guys should back it. But really, that's not my experience of entrepreneurship. It's more about can you actually execute something better than someone else? Hmm. Um, can you get customers and and learn from them and um, make them happy, get them to refer other people to you. Yeah, and I think, you know, the big thing that you said right at the outset and again that came out of that uh, research I was talking before is that what you've done is you've absolutely realized that there is a need, there's a worldwide need and it's a growing need for the services that you provide whereas I think too many people are in search of something new, original and unique and really no idea whether anybody needs it at all. 
Yeah, well, well I think I think business. that's that's why I like the idea of if you can solve if, if you can effectively do something that someone else is doing, but just do it in a slightly different way. If you can if you can solve a problem where someone else is paying for solutions already, mm. then that's a huge head start. And and that's that's kind of where I made a mistake with the last company, which was I kind of invented something and I really didn't know if people wanted it. Um, it's much easier to if, if people are paying for something already, then all you really need to do is give them a reason to swap to you. Hmm. And that's much easier than, than convincing them that they need to spend money on something that they're not spending money on. Yeah, look, I agree with that. And I think t- too often, you know, we hear people who, who drag out the Henry Ford quote about, you know, if I ask people what they want, they'd say they want a faster horse and Steve Jobs. But these are, you know, that's all very well to have a smart sort of retort to, to um, in support of uniqueness. But in truth, I think the majority of viable sustainable businesses are do what you do which is you work out a need and you you supply it satisfy it better than other people around you which is fantastic well fantastic for you that you're doing it like that so do you hang out a whole lot with with entrepreneurs is that um is that a, a key thing for you do you rub shoulders a lot is that important to you no i don't i'm not very good at that sort of stuff so i don't do a lot of it i do um i've, I've started presenting at events and i've been asked to present at a bunch of different events around the world this year so i'm doing more of that but it's a struggle because it's stresses me out like you wouldn't believe and it's it's just hard but at the same what part time, of it what part of it stresses you is it the, the just, what? I, i'm just not very good at just the networking and being around people and, and presenting in front of people I, I didn't even i think the first one i did was last year at the end word camp it was like the first time i'd presented in about 10 years or something <laughs> And I was like, what? The? And I just said no up until then. But now I kind of decided to start saying yes. And now I've just got a whole bunch of people who've asked me to present. And I'm like, well, I'll just do it. <laughs> well, you know what? I reckon if we if we talk uh, this time next year, I think you'll have, you'll have shifted your thinking on that a, a fair bit. Because the beauty is presumably more and more and more people are coming to you because they absolutely want to hear what you want to say. And I think that's perhaps a you know a, a very different way of, of doing it than perhaps earlier in your career where maybe you were you were hoping to get in front of a lot of people. Now it's the mm. tables have turned. I, I, you know, I, looking into the future, I think you're going to find you love it more and more. Look, I'd like to just wind up or get sort of start to wind up to ask you. You know, you you rub shoulders with a lot of people, although you, as you say, you don't do it that much. But you you kind of follow people, you observe people. Is there is there any one person who's been a particular influence on you in your business? And and if so, what did they teach you? I th- I think the the person I would pick is not a person I've met, but it's um, Jason Calacanis, the guy who runs This Week in Startups. Okay. Um, and the only reason I would pick that is because I think the difference between what I do now and what I used to do is that I I really actively try to do something can, that can be world class and that that like I I see I see myself being interviewed on his podcast and like for the last four or five years I'm like one day I'm going to be interviewed on that podcast about a startup I've created. <laughs> Um, and it's going to be something that people use all around the world and it's going to employ people all around the world and it's going to be high growth and um, it'll be a worldwide recognized brand. And I mean, I've listened to a lot of podcasts over the years, but that was the one that kind of took me from, I don't have to do a local business. I can actually do something that can be fantastic. What was his name? Can you give us his name again? Yeah, his name is Jason Calacanis. He's he's pretty funny. It's worth, it's worth listening to the show. He, he's a big startups guy. He, he runs the biggest startup event in the world over in San Francisco. Okay, and has he had you on his podcast yet? Um, no, I've been on there, but not 
I've only just sort of rung in to okay. kind of ask him a question. But okay. I mean, the kind of guys he has on his podcast are guys like like Chris Sarka, the guy from Basecamp, at least like okay. huge like investor guys and you know, not really the sort of guys who are like sitting around a co-working space by themselves running a little WordPress support business. <laughs> don't but, you don't you believe it? Look, I'm sure the phone will ring, and when it does, I think you should ignore him. Just so you, so, you, <laughs> so you're so you're busy that week. You you got you've got to do a podcast for flying sailors. So yeah. <laughs> okay, All right. No, that's awesome. So look, um, finally, uh, are we going to keep you here? Are you going to stay on these shores? Are you is the is the lure of uh, the US hanging over you? What's your what's your plan there? No, I don't really want to leave here. I mean, I travel a bit, and I don't really enjoy it as much as i enjoy staying here so i'm not sure i mean i think there's there's probably a reasonable chance that wpk i mean wpk is a u.s company and it's most of the customers are in the u.s and eventually if we build a team it won't be here it'll be in the u.s so i think that's probably a chance but it, I, I don't think i'll move there no okay good well that's if your wife's listening that's probably quite reassuring for her, <laughs> so that's good all right well look dan thank you so much for um for, for sharing your time with us um it was it's been great having you on the show and it's really good to have you uh, writing with us every now and again so we'll we're going to hang on to you as long as we can and um thanks for spending your time with us today yeah thank you i mean i hope it's useful and if people have questions they can just email me dan at wpcurve.com and um yeah perfect i'm sure they will thank you dan and that's where we'll leave this show from flying solo i'm robert gerrish and we hope you'll join us next time if you're looking to start a business or rejuvenate the one you're in you'll find heaps of resources at flyingsolo.com.au and a supportive community on our forums and facebook thanks for listening